This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. So, we are rolling into our last guest now. We're on the floor again of the 2019 Wharton People Analytics Conference. In the next quarter hour, we have Sebastian Wernicke. Sebastian is the chief data scientist at OneLogic. He works with over 30 interdisciplinary data scientists there, helps organizations across industries turn their vast data collections into tangible value. He is also well known for his TED Talks and his analysis of TED Talks. Yeah. Sebastian, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Sebastian, thrilled to have you. You were on the stage yesterday. You gave a very well-received presentation on what makes a good TED Talk. Yes. And you told us that we, we, we know that you had this talk years ago on what makes a good TED Talk when, mm. TED, when people were just, the TED Talks were kind of blowing up. You took this occasion to revisit that and you did a 10th anniversary, 10th year anniversary yes, that's right. of what makes a great TED Talk. Can you share with us a little bit of what you learned in that analysis? Well, so there's two parts of the presentation. I think some of the analysis is more serious than the other parts. Um, in the serious parts, I think you really learn that TED has very much shifted the topics that uh, they publish. So, so it's shifted much more towards topics that you um, easily can make an emotional connection with, right? So it's about psychology, it's about personal relationships, um, awesome science, those sorts of things. And it used to be more um, that, that you just had a higher share of talks that were just funny or jaw-dropping or, you know, just, just a short uh, idea. And that's shifted really a lot. So I want to hear more, but let me jump on yeah. that real quickly. The, this isn't necessarily your line of work, but isn't that interesting? I mean, it's not, it's not like the, I'm guessing the organizers, this is a relatively decentralized thing and the organizers aren't driving the topic choice philosophically so much as it's emerging over time. Well, they're curating all the talks that they really choose to feature. And so it seems like they're optimizing their curation more for those talks where they think they'll just get a large audience or that are generally more pleasing, I would say. So okay. so if you look at the earlier talks, they tend to be, in my mind, at least a bit more edgy and they have a wider variety of topics. And it's just feels like the the usual course that the Internet is taking, right? So you're sort of trying to optimize what you're publishing for what you think the, the audience will like. Well, it's more, more than what you think, right? Because they yeah. get to, they're looking at metrics probably very closely. Oh, very much you, so, I assume, yes. You told us yesterday that they collect feedback from viewers on many dimensions, pro yes. and con. So can you describe that real quickly? Yes. So instead of the usual thumbs up, thumbs down that you would get on a normal website, they have a system of 14 different types of ratings. So there's nine positive ratings. And you can't just say, I like this talk. You have to say, I like it because it's ingenious, because it's funny, it's courageous. Or I don't like it because it's long-winded, it's obnoxious, or it's just okay. It's a colorful range of reactions. Yes. makes it much more interesting because now you know why do people like the talk or don't like it. And so you can go much much deeper into the analysis and not just say, oh, this is a talk that people like, but why, why do they like it? And if you figure out why they like it, they also have different reactions to that. Yeah. So if there's a, the talks that they will email around, those that they will select as, as their most favorite, that depends on why they like one, right? They will favorite a talk that they find funny, for example, okay. and they will send around a talk that they find courageous. So oh. it's much deeper into, into the engagement of the audience and why, why they do what they do. And okay. that's... I think unique about this data set also. Okay. So there are kind of two interesting directions to go, and you're really about what what 
what drives the rating. So what's the consumer experience, essentially? Mm-hmm. It is interesting why these things have evolved. The, the pattern has evolved over time because one of the strongest results in your data is just move from more varied and more edgy to more emotional. Yeah, but I, I think that parallels how the TED has been developing. It used to start as a tiny conference in California where essentially just people met and shared interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And since then, it has become almost like a media company. So if you look at, there just used to be TED essentially 10 years ago. And now you look at how many TED brands there are out there. I think I had that slide with like 20 different icons. You know, they have TED India, they have uh, TED Women, they have TED X, they have the TED Archive, they have the show with Adam Grant, of course. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just a very, very big brand and they're rolling it out um, into all these different media. And so I just think they have to optimize for that. Mm-hmm. They can't just say, let's have a nice conference where everybody's having fun. Mm-hmm. They need to think about what will be well received and how do they get the views. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you dug into these data, what most surprised you about them? While the talks have becoming shorter, which you would think, you know, more people would watch shorter talks or they would become more engaged with and them. By the way, so you, you reported the average length was something like 13 minutes, and that's down from what? You say they're... they're so it started what? at around 18, and now it's down to like 11 minutes. Okay. So, so like a third down. Okay. Right? And nevertheless, like the number, the average number of views that the talks receive has, has been going down, the audience engagement, which you can measure by something like how many people are willing to translate a talk into a different language, that has been going down. Mm-hmm. So I thought as it would become bigger, um, also these, these view and engagement numbers would actually at least stay steady or, or go up. And um, it surprised me that they've gone down so dramatically. So th- that, is that just because of the competition in the world for entertainment? And, you know, Ted, and actually Ted kind of, you know, this is how it goes with innovation. You spawn rivals, and yes. they start eating at your market share. Yes, absolutely. And and also, it's it's not that unique anymore, like right. you say, right? So uh, a speaker giving... It, it used to be a speaker gave a talk at TED. That's why it was called a TED Talk, right. right? And now speakers are giving their talk, of course, in multiple venues. It's published in multiple... You, you gave a Wharton People Analytics talk yesterday. It, yeah, wasn't, it wasn't a TED Talk. It was a Wharton People Analytics it talk. It felt like a TED Talk. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, no, but <laughs> We basically asked you to give a kind of TED Talk. I mean, yeah, we, you did. We used that shorthand, absolutely. Um, um, so you give TED Talks. Yeah. So, and, and you give talks, obviously. In what way do you present differently now because of the analyses you've run of what makes effective presentation? I think it's a lot of little details that, that I adjusted. So, for example, one of the uh, results turned out that I should say I more than I say you, which I think is kind of counterintuitive because you always learn in class, you know, you should talk about the audience probably. Mm-hmm. And I really try to make these my, minor adjustments, let's mm-hmm. say. Um, so real, me, yeah. I, I want to hear more of those, but just to make this one plain, you presented yesterday a list of phrases, I phrases, that mm-hmm. showed up on positive-rated presentations and a list yeah. of you phrases that show up on less positive yes. So this is a pretty key distinction that you find in the data. Yeah. The, do people want... What do they, people want to be listening to an expert? Do people want the confidence that comes? Because we, yes. might, we often challenge leaders... To not be so narcissistic in their talks and in their writing. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there are studies of actually coding leaders for narcissism by looking at how much first person they put into you know, the letters <laughs> they put in their annual reports, for example. So what's the difference there? I think it's, there's different ways that I can talk about myself. And I think there's a way where, of course, I'm, I'm just you know, being excited about myself. That's not going to be good for the audience. But... Of course, if you put an expert on the stage, you want to hear their perspective, mm-hmm. what they are thinking. And I think if you use too many you phrases, it becomes a bit more generic, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's almost safer to always use these you phrases about the audience and what they should be thinking, what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. But if I talk about myself, I, I, I can get personal. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what 
people want to hear and, okay. and, and see. I think. Okay. All right. So this is one way in which you've tried to add a little thing. So what you're saying, well, it's not a big thing I've restructured. It's that I, there's lots of little details that I've yes. picked up, and I think I can refine my presentations in that direction. Yes. I versus you is one of them. Can you give us another? Well, the other one, a sentence that sticks out is people telling stories about themselves when they were young. I found mm -hmm. that very interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, another one is that, um, uh, how, how, how to put this? So any phrase where the, the speaker says, I have done something, look at what I've, I've done, I've thought about this, mm -hmm. is much more higher rated than when you say, well, you as an audience, if you think about this, here's, here's what you do, right? Yeah. So you have to do the thinking as a speaker. You have to put a perspective into your talk. And okay. you can't just be this general, uh, general. okay, here's, here's some perspectives on things. Okay. No, you have to say, here's my perspective. Okay. You have to put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. So interesting. So the, the, the second one you mentioned there was tell them, tell them a story about when you were younger. Yeah. What, is, there, is that the actual thing that you think matters, or is there something general there? And if that is the actual thing, why would that matter so much? I think that's one way to get very personal, right? And, and tell a story about yourself. So, so it, I mean, of course, then I, I went in a bit into the crazy area of analyzing what is the optimum age that you should talk about right. um, when I was 12 or 13. Of course, that's, that's just for fun. Yeah. But I think there's a point of truth. If, if, you say, if you start out with a story about how you were young, mm -hmm. you're automatically in a personal mode. I mean, there's no way you can... And I also think that's not narcissistic. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a different version of yourself mm -hmm. unless you're a 13-year-old speaker on the stage, what mm -hmm. happens, mm -hmm. um, and then it gets very interesting. Mm -hmm. So something between that and the I versus you, a, a yeah. theme here is vulnerability, Absolutely. personalization, yes. that kind of thing. Yes, be vulnerable and talk about a topic that people can make an emotional connection with. Mm -hmm. That's always going to be... Um, have a high chance of getting a good rating. Mm -hmm. How do you think about humor in presentations? You were quite funny yesterday. And, um, and most everyone recognizes, look, a little humor is good. A lot of folks, when I talk about persuasion with my students, for example, they're like, yeah, but not everyone's funny. And if you're not funny, you try to be funny. It really screws things up. So how do you think about humor in presentations? I, I think there's not enough humor in presentations generally. But also, I mean, from experience, I know that humor is hard. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's essentially, I mean, if, if I look how I created that presentation, Every single joke in there is like 10 iterations, 20 iterations, 30 iterations until you get it just right. The slide yeah. has to be in the right order. There has to be the right timing. You, the topic has to work. It can't be, you know, it has to be edgy. It can't be too offensive. Okay. It's just a huge amount of work. It's much easier to do a talk that's not funny. So Jerry Seinfeld would definitely agree. He, he talks about the fact yes. that you think that this, I'm talking about nothing, but you can't imagine the polish that we put on these things. Yes, like in the documentary that he did, right? Yes, and, yes. and then he says, it's just crazy amount of work. You have to test out your material. Mm -hmm. Most of it will bomb. Then you do it again. <laughs> and, of course, I couldn't test out this talk uh, you right. know, in, in comedy clubs or anything. But um, still, just huge amount of work to get everything just right. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. I think um, in this time, you know, where presentations are essentially a dime a dozen, you probably what presentation is even worth putting in all that effort anymore? Okay. It's not even a TED Talk, apparently, according to the, to the numbers and statistics. Right. So, so why, why you and why TED Talks? How did this thing get started and what else do you do with your life? Because we know this is just a, this is basically a little side. <laughs> this is well, it's it's not little anymore. My wife would say at least. So I spend <laughs> way too much time with this hobby. Mm -hmm. um, she's telling me. Um, I do data analytics all of the time. So, so I'm I'm chief data scientist at a company that specializes on data science on getting value out of data, and so anything that's data will fascinate me. And I think the TED talks just I mean it turned out 
that this is actually one of the most interesting data sets that I've worked with because mm -hmm. it's so rich. It has all the transcripts, it has translations, it has user ratings on this very complex scale. Mm -hmm. um, it has lots of viewers, uh, it, has, it has lots of comments. So, And I also have the feeling that public speaking is actually one of those areas where probably there's not enough data-driven research yet yes. going into there, right. right? You have all of these gurus uh, sort of telling you the anecdotes. Here are mm -hmm. seven things you need to do. Here's five things TED speakers do differently. Right. And, but there's data. So, so why not look at that and right. actually see what's the reality mm -hmm. of that? Mm -hmm. You say that this is one of the best data sets you've ever played with, but you must like some other data sets. So what's another, other, another example of your work analysis? <laughs> so one, one of the data sets I, I really like, so we do, as, at my company, we do a lot of work in retail. Mm -hmm. And so, essentially, we know all of the product sales across across Germany and, and some other European countries. So, mm -hmm. looking at those data sets in detail is, is really, really fascinating because it tells you a lot about the habits of people. And, of course, there's the um, n absolutely obvious stuff like, you know, nobody will ever, you know, the, the use of toilet paper won't, won't vary much over, mm -hmm. over the seasons. And then there's all these little details if you really try to forecast how much a product will sell mm -hmm. and what goes into that and what mm -hmm. drives those decisions. It's individual decisions of what people will buy. Mm -hmm. But then again, there's, there's this aggregate whole right. country um, movement happening. And, and that's just fascinating because you can get observe people mm -hmm. um, what, what, what they're doing and mm -hmm. what they're shopping. And How long have you been doing this kind of analysis, working in analytics? I've been working in analytics for over 10 years now. So I started out as a bioinformatician doing genetic data sets. And now it's everything, retail, industry, um, financial services, you name it. Mm -hmm. How are you better? How are you different? And how are you better as an analyst now than when you first started? I think what I learned is that actually the analysis and the technicality of the analysis, which is what got me into there, that I was fascinated by the algorithms and the models, actually doesn't matter as much as you would like to think because it's become very easy to apply a model to a data set. Mm -hmm. It's much more about actually understanding what the client really needs. And this is often very different from the, what they tell you they need. And then get it all the way so that somebody will make a different decision. Mm -hmm. Because most of the time when we talk about data, we just talk about insights, right? Let's get the insight out of the data set. And nothing is earned with that. Mm -hmm. An insight has never made anybody any money. So you need to take that insight and now get people to trust that insight and act differently because a computer tells them to. So we're at the end of our time with you, but I, I want to understand how you think about that, that getting that trust. Like, What's one thing you have learned to do? to translate an insight into a decision. That sometimes I need to use an algorithm that's not the mathematically best one, um, but it's super easy. And because people look at it and say it's easy, I understand it, mm -hmm. they will actually trust it. So I don't need to optimize for the last percentage. I need to optimize for understanding and trust. Mm -hmm. All right. Sebastian, really appreciate your sitting down with us. Thank you appreciate for having me. That was Sebastian Wernicke, chief data scientist at OneLogic. He's well-known for his TED Talks and his analysis of TED Talks. He's got a 10th anniversary edition coming out. Keep an eye out for it. I am Cade Massey. This has been a business radio special presentation from the floor of the 2019 Wharton People Analytics Conference. If you missed any of the program, please do check it out on the SiriusXM app. Until next year, I would like to thank all of our guests and our producer and our tech folks and all the support we receive. Thank you for listening. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 